We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, Chargers fans. This is the Guilty as Charged podcast where we discuss all things related to the Los Angeles Chargers. We are available on all podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate the positive feedback. Make sure and follow us on social media, including our Patreon account, where as little as $1 gains you access to cool things like jersey giveaways and film breakdowns. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy the show. Hey, Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. We have finally made it to the week of free agency. The Chargers are able to uh, start talking with free agents next uh, uh, tomorrow as, as we are recording this. Um, and then they'll be able to officially sign players as of Wednesday. So it's been a long road to get here, but we are finally here. Uh, Got to introduce my guys here, Tyler and Alex. Tyler, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing today? Uh, I've been better. <laughs> <laughs> this weekend kind of sucks. Yeah, but at least we have some news. Yeah, it's I know it's been a tough week for you. So, so yeah. we thank you so much for uh you know taking the time out to come on with us and we always uh are thinking about you and your family. Alex, how are you doing today, man? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I got the uh haircut courtesy of Manscaped. Uh so you can you can go check them out. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, that was that was a good mention. So nice. we are uh super grateful for our partnership with Manscaped, and you guys are always able to go. Uh, check out their website and use the code guilty at checkout for 20% off. It's a great deal. Uh, they've got a lot of different products to make sure you are feeling your best. So obviously we have had a, a bit of news. The Chargers did officially release Trey Turner. Uh, it was one of the biggest no brainers of the off season of any team. Uh, a little unfortunate that it didn't work out. Um, obviously we were hoping for, for good things, but it did just kind of seem that it was a lose, lose trade for both sides. I know Alex, you wrote an article uh, for bolt beat. Uh, kind of revisiting the trade. What were some of your thoughts about that? Just re revisiting it from last year. 
Yeah, I mean, the thing that struck me about it was just that, like, looking back, no team really took any risk because Russell Okun was a free agent. And, you know, they said, hey, let's put him with his old coach and see if he does something. Uh, And Trey Turner would be a free agent if they could cut him after this year. Right. There was no uh, real risk involved. And maybe we should have paid more attention to that at the time uh, in terms of evaluating, like, you know, who fleeced who um, based on, you know, what we thought at the time. So, um I mean, I didn't really think a lot other than, you know, I'd probably still do the trade, even though it didn't work out uh, just because, you know, maybe there's some simulation where, you know, uh, Trey Turner is able to stay healthy and uh, we get some at least decent Trey Turner, but we just didn't get that. But, you know, the reality is you either would have gotten good starting guard play or you get 12 million in cap space. Right. So that that was really just my thought kind of looking back on the trade. Yeah, I mean, make the trade 100% of the time, honestly. If you're going to take a risk on a player, not that Trey Turner really had injury risk, but I'd rather take a player and risk the football injury than to stick with Russell Okung and you yeah. risk the, oh, I can't play anymore because I'm medically not clear to even step onto a field. So, you know, you make the play, or not the play, make the trade every time. Uh, it's unfortunate that they have to cut him. Thankfully, nobody won, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. I guess you could. Is, did, is, Russell, is Russell Okung retiring? No, he, no, he apparently is still no. going to play. He's hitting the market. Um, I don't know how much of a market he will have. I mean, you guys had... He'll have a good market in Bitcoin. <laughs> He's doing great, by the way. He's doing great with Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> we all made fun of him yeah. when that happened. Right, we should have listened. great for him. Yeah, that's yeah. the win. Good for that's him. That's the win. Somebody won. But you're right. I mean, it would be one thing if Russell Okung had like been a pro bowler and Trey Turner just kind of sucked. So... Uh, I mean, you never root for injuries, but I'm, I'm kind of glad that Russell was injured this year because, you know, it just makes me feel a little bit better about that trade. So, yeah, um, it was a no brainer, right? You know, you you fill, you free up eleven point five million dollars in cap space. You're able to kind of go out and, and maybe get two players for the price of one to fill that void. Uh, and then And then, of course, you have the draft. I was laughing so much yesterday when there were media people who were like, Man, this market is stacked of interior offensive linemen. It's like, yeah, but not because of Trey Turner, man. Trey Turner was awful <laughs> last year. Right. So it just was kind of funny seeing people's reaction to that deal uh, yesterday. Yeah, I thought it was funny that people were just like, oh, man, Justin Herbert's in trouble after Trey Turner got (laughs) traded. I was like, Justin Herbert was in trouble when Trey Turner was on the field. (laughs) Like, what were you watching? Or were you not watching the Chargers like most media members? No. Um, (laughs) I was just like, you know, the the Trey Turner trade, it's like, yeah, I mean, you you have to build out the offensive line. But that was true 24 hours before Trey Turner was cut. And it's true 24 hours after. So. Um, that, that was really the situation there. Yeah, it really is. The only other thing I would monitor moving forward, Sally. <laughs> go ahead, Tyler. <laughs> months to go. Okay. I said the only thing I want to monitor moving forward is the Chargers have now cut two players that Pro Football Focus did not like last season. Shada and Staley have both referenced Pro Football Focus. I'm just saying, let's keep an eye on that moving forward. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how much of an analytics, you know, approach they take towards building out the roster because, you know, that wasn't really a thing with with Tom Delosco and Anthony Lynn. So um, obviously the other big piece of news is that the Chargers have cut Casey Hayward. Um, This is the part of free agency that we always hate, right? Because Casey Hayward, you know, cutting him, it made a lot of sense on paper. It makes a lot of sense uh, in terms of scheme wise because he wasn't really a fit for what uh, Brandon Staley is going to bring into uh, what the Chargers are going to be running on defense. And so it, it makes sense on paper, but Casey Hayward has been one of the best Chargers players of my lifetime. And, and it, it sucks to see him go. It sucks that 
we had to watch what last season was and that we weren't able to see him, you know, really get back to uh, what his prime form was over the past couple of years. So we are going to talk about how they're going to replace him, but I did just want to highlight a little bit uh, of what Casey Hayward's legacy is for the Chargers because he was only on the team for five years, but I think he did leave a long lasting legacy. So uh, Tyler, we'll start with you on this one. How will you remember Casey Hayward and what was maybe a favorite memory of yours of him? It's almost like I'll remember him as the player that we all took for granted, but we knew was an all pro for, for so many years. And, you know, Tom Telesco, he never took offensive. Well, he not never. He rarely took enough offensive linemen high enough because he's stupid, <laughs> but he didn't. He also never took corners, yeah. but that's also because he had Casey Hayward. You could literally for, for, was it uh, 64 games or whatever up until this past season? You just throw him out there, let him go. And he's covering DeAndre Hopkins. And, you know, that first year that he had where I wasn't really following, you know, free agent moves with the Chargers as strongly as I am now. So for this guy to come in on this kind of cheap deal, relatively not unknown, but certainly unproven. Yeah. And, you know, I just was looking back at articles at the time that were written. They're like, okay, well, you know, maybe he can play in the slot or be like a nice, like rotational piece or like maybe a quality starter. Who knows? You know, for him, for him to then have the career that he did was uh, pretty spectacular. Certainly the best signing that Tom Telesco has ever had by far, both with the original signing and the extension. Um, favorite memories? I don't know. There's plenty to pick from. The first one, for some reason that came to mind, was the pick two. I know that I've never seen that before until he had the interception <laughs> yeah. for two points on that two-point conversion or whatever it was. So, you know, that or him. I just remember... The first year he came in and he undercut Hopkins and had an interception. And then that was like the moment we were all waiting for like that big match. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins versus this, this new guy, Casey Hayward. And for him to basically shut him down that game. And then I believe Houston last year, he, he relatively shut him down yep. as well. Um, I mean, just not a lot of guys can do that, right? So that, I'll remember, always remember him as just a very talented, solid player for so many years. And uh, going to miss him for sure. This part sucks. Yeah, you mentioned the Houston game. I think like DeAndre Hopkins had 60 yards in that game and only 11 on Casey Hayward, mm -hmm, right? right? So that's like a really great game. Um, the Nathan Peterman game is yeah. like the best Chargers defensive game, like maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe ever. Yeah. Um, it, that was just such an awesome day. And Casey Hayward had two picks that game and Drake Boston and all those guys got in on the fun. Um, you know, another game that I remember is the Pittsburgh game uh, with Antonio Brown and yep. AB has like 100 yards in the first half. They're getting absolutely gashed. Uh, and then second half, it's really Casey Hayward and Derwin James kind of taking them out of the game. Right. Uh, and that was a huge part of that Chargers comeback, along with Rivers and Keenan Allen, Justin Jackson. Um, that was just a, a really fun moment. But uh, yeah, it was all the big matchups and him proving that, you know, he could go from a slot corner to an outside uh, and and have a lot of success with that. You know, he was a two-time All-Pro. Um, obviously, 2017 is probably the best season of his career, just like overall. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to definitely miss him in terms of, you know, his leadership. Um, you know, obviously the Jack boys thing kind of crashed and burned this year. Um, but <laughs> yeah. when it was at its peak, it was like, it was him, so Tre Trevor Williams, you know, all those guys uh, over the years, uh, the Thanksgiving game against Dak uh, in Dallas yeah. was a really fun one where he, he gets the pick that seals it. And Desmond King gets a pick six. Um, that was a really fun game. But uh, yeah, there are tons of fun Casey moments. And uh, yeah, I, I do agree. We did kind of like, take him for granted as like, Oh, he'll always be here. Right. Yeah. And now, you know, we're, we're in the secondary and 
I, I totally agree with the cut for from the standpoint of it, it just had to happen. You know, you save nine million. Um, you really it doesn't fit Staley's scheme for him to be here. Uh, and, you know, the age and injuries and all that. But, you know, I, I would have liked if they could have found, you know, some way to, you know, just keep him, keep the person, um, yeah. maybe not the player <laughs> at this point, because uh, he is a really great guy to have in the locker room and all that. Um, but, yeah, it, it's just sad. It, it had to kind of end like this. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what's next. Yeah, you know, it was just such a luxury to have him because, you know, he could go up against anyone in the league and, and be able to kind of shut down that one side of the field. And, uh, you know, you guys mentioned a bunch of different games. And I think, you know, for me, you know, whenever I just look at what he did against Houston and, and what he did, you know, against teams like that, where he was able to take out a number one receiver, you know, I, I just the value of Casey Hayward is never going to be you know, something that is like overstated. And we, we always would argue, oh, like Casey Hayward's the most underrated player in the league. And it's like, well, he was underappreciated by the Chargers fans, I feel like as well, because, you know, everybody kind of would always talk about Derwin and Desmond King and, and, and other players, and rightfully so, you know, those players were special as well. Um, but Casey Hayward, what he did for the Chargers, it was, was just so valuable. And, you know, the 2016 season in which he led the league in interceptions, man, like, that and Joey Bosa's, you know, rookie of the year campaign were the only two things like that I could like look at each week and be like, okay, like this is going to be fun to watch these two players play. And, you know, because there was all the uncertainty about the move and it was like just, you know, a drag to talk about the chargers because uh, of how things were looking after, after the season. But, you know, being able to watch Casey Hayward and Joey Bosa go to work each week is something that I will always remember that season for it. And it's just, you know, it sucks you know, this is is the part of free agency that we don't like. You know, I almost bought Casey Hayward's jersey last year, you know, and then I ended up choosing Austin Eckler's because of, frankly, the, the contract extension. Yeah. Um, so it just – it sucks to see him go, man. And I hope wherever he lands that he's able to have, you know, a last couple seasons of high-level play uh, as long as it's not for the Raiders. He can go play well for anyone else except for the Raiders. But I'm going to wish him well. <laughs> Do you see <laughs> it's happening? Way. Oh, man. Gonna, I, I don't see I don't see why not. The other thing, though, and a reason to, to cut Hayward is he did say he wants to play it for a couple more years. Yeah, that ain't as long as a rookie contract. And at this point, I think Staley just, you know, you, you can hold on to a guy for a year too late and then he's one more year and you cut him anyway. At most, if he's playing a couple more years and that's all he said he wanted to play. Just cut bait now. Take that rookie, have him for at least four years yeah. and make your defense work from there. Yeah, and the other thing I was saying is just like I don't I don't think it really would have worked um if they brought him back this year. I mean, I think he could have played at a decent enough level, but you know, we we talked about kind of what Ramsey did in that defense um in kind of a zone heavy scheme and you know, everyone hyped up like, "Oh, it's the Packers and Rams, it's going to be Ramsey versus DeVonte Adams just shadowing him the whole game." But that's not really what happened, right? It's kind of Ramsey moving all over the field. Uh, and taking whatever matchup he has to take. And, you know, Jalen Ramsey is really young. Casey Hayward's going to be 32, you know, trying to do that after a season where he had an injury. Um, so I just think, I think it was the best for both sides too. Right. Um, not just, you know, uh, the Chargers getting off that contract, but Hayward getting to play in a team that's probably uh, a 4-3 where, you know, he can play uh, basically permanently on the outside. I think that that's the spot where if he's going to have a bounce back year, that's where it's going to happen. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think if he goes to his zone heavy scheme as well, you know, be it Seattle or, or San Francisco or 
or he could go, you know, go back to Green Bay and, and you know have a renaissance there. I think that would make a lot of sense for them as well. Um, but we'll have to see. So we talked a little bit about replacing him last time uh, on our show, and I do think the Chargers, you know, will be able to get a cheap veteran. I don't think you know signing an expensive veteran makes a lot of sense for this team. I think it's it's going to be you know through the draft in terms of finding a potential cornerback one. Um, and we've kind of talked about our preference being you know, offensive line in the first round and then getting a defensive starter in the second round or third round. Um, but we haven't really talked about, you know, the possibility of taking a cornerback in the first round. So we did want to talk about that here and just kind of have a discussion really of the three main guys, right? Because everybody kind of knows that it's Patrick Sertan, uh, Caleb Farley and JC Horn. Uh, and I tweeted this out yesterday. My personal preference uh, is JC Horn. He is my cornerback one. Um, and you know, I'm not comparing him to Jalen Ramsey, but if you're trying to get, you know, the kind of lockdown man corner to replicate what you had in Jalen Ramsey, I think Jay-Z Horn is who you want. You know, I think Caleb Farley is, is going to be an incredible athlete. He's a little raw at the position, obviously, cause he's only played it for one full season. Uh, and then you have Patrick Sertan, who's really an, an incredible technician. He's got the, the dad pred- pedigree kind of thing going for him. Um, but I know that I'm not the only one that has JC Horn as the cornerback one on here. And I know that uh, Alex kind of disagrees with that one. So Tyler, what do you see in JC Horn uh, versus the other guys that, that I mentioned in Caleb Farley and Patrick Sertan? Oh boy. So yeah, Sertan is your technician. Uh, it's so hard to, okay. So either of these three guys, if they took him at corner at 13, while I do prefer offensive line, I wouldn't hate it either right. way. All these three guys are pretty close for me. I'm Okay. I think tomorrow's starter, today's starter, I think Sertan is better. But I think given the defensive personnel that they have and the talent on this team, the fact that you even have, you're probably going to have Michael Davis too, Derwin James and all these guys. I think you want to take a guy with a little more upside, whether that be Horn or Farley. I do kind of want to see how Farley tests physically. Um, But for right now, you know, the biggest knock on most corners for me, this entire draft process is, do they want to tackle and will they go make that tackle? And I think the Chargers are certainly looking for that. I think and even look at Asante Samuel, who they've met with. They want they probably want a guy who can make those plays as well on the boundary, which Casey Hayward was really good at for the first couple of years, not as much recently. So what do I think of Horn? I think he's going to ultimately be oh okay, they asked me on the spot to do ugh. okay. I think I have Horn graded higher. I still, I think, would take Farley's ceiling. I think he's just that much of an elite athlete and raw prospect. If he's so, yeah, I think I still think I'm taking Farley. Are you Sertan, Alex? Are we are we all split on who it is? I think yeah, I would say Sertan one, Farley okay. two, Horn three. But I, I think Farley and Horn are fairly close. Um, you know, you could kind of do it how you want. They both have great upside. I mean. You know, Farley is just like, what if Michael Davis was a first round pick, which is, you know, really fun to think about in terms of his size and and his build and all that. Um, I would probably put Sertan one. It's funny that you think uh, Ramsey reminds you of Horn. uh, Horn reminds you of Ramsey, because I kind of think that uh, Patrick Sertan is that a little bit in this draft um, as a technician. But it's, um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, I think, what you've seen in a lot of mock drafts recently, or at least in terms of the draft order 
you've seen that the cornerbacks are starting to slip a little bit because people are talking to themselves that, Hey, what if I take Kyle Pitts at five or what if I take, you know, this yeah. receiver, or this like skill player, uh, really high, right? <laughs> you've seen some mock drafts throwing Mac Jones in the top 10. Um, <laughs> you know, you've seen a lot of stuff like that. So I, I think people are talking themselves into a lot of skill players. So if the Chargers don't go offensive line in the first round, you could see a world in which, you know, uh, Sertan, Farley, and Horn might be on the board at 13, and the Chargers have a chance to take uh, or their pick of one of the three, right? I'm not saying, you know, it's probably unlikely that it plays out like that, but I think they'll have at least two of those three on the board, whereas a couple months ago, it really looked like it would only be Horn. Um, so, yeah. yeah, we'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, I do prefer offensive line. <laughs> I'm not as, Absolutely. you know, adamant about it as Steven is, uh, <laughs> but... You know, I do, I do think there is definitely a possibility they take a corner given Hayward. And honestly, yeah. even if they had kept Hayward, I think there's a possibility they still would have gone at it in these first two or three rounds just because, you know, you have to replace Hayward. He was only on a one-year deal after the, uh, this season anyway, and he was a free agent afterwards. So I just think you had to go get your guy in the future, uh, whether that's, you know, someone in the first round, second round, or, or third round that you think you can develop. It's a really interesting conversation between the three of them, honestly, because, you know, like the main knock that I've seen of JC Horn from people is that like, oh, he gets too grabby. And I'm like, well, Patrick, Patrick Sertan gets grabby, too. And so does Caleb Farley. Yeah. Like, it's just a nature of the position in college, right? In, in mm-hmm. college, you can get away with a lot more physicality than you can in the NFL. And you can coach that out um, to me. Like the Jalen Ramsey thing with JC Horn, it's more about just like the mentality in which they play with. Because I think mm, yeah. I think Ramsey is is a little taller, a little longer than JC Horn is. But you know, one of the most underrated things about Ramsey is that he's a fantastic tackler. Like he'll get after it and he'll come up and make plays. Uh, and JC Horn to me is the best tackler in terms of cornerbacks in the draft. And I think Sante Samuel Jr. is probably second yep. uh, in that regard. And so I, I think. You know, the things that Horn does well, you know, you can't you can't teach like you can't teach a guy to be just that dog of a corner who has the confidence to go up against, you know, all these elite receivers in the league and hold his own. And, and like that is Horn to me. And Patrick Satan, I think, you know, his technique is really good. He's really long, got that great length. Um, but I'm a little concerned with how he will test because. I think athletically he's probably the worst of the three and Caleb Farley has been reported to be running like a a low four, three, which is just like, you know, absurd. So, you know, pairing Caleb Farley and Michael Davis in the AFC West and having two cornerbacks who can run four threes. Like I'm interested in that. Like, you know, make no mistake about it. I think Caleb Farley would be a great pick for this, for this team if they're able to shore up the offensive line of free agency. But um, it's going to be interesting to watch because I think there will be at least four quarterbacks taken in the top 10, maybe five, like we talked about with Mac Jones. And so somebody is going to get pushed down. And and so what if you're staring, you know, at Caleb Farley and Rayshon Slater, like that's a possibility where the Chargers could be looking at, Hey, well, we need a cornerback one. We can take a legitimate prospect here, or we could take a left tackle to build on build with our our young quarterback and so i think that's an interesting conversation that the chargers are going to have to have yeah uh and i don't know i was just going through like the veteran free agent options to see like all right is there a guy they can take to avoid a draft pick low you know uh that high 
And it's just like there's really no one that can like play cornerback the way that Brandon Staley wants them to. Right. I mean, the the guys that are going to get most talked about, I think, are like Patrick Peterson, Malcolm Butler, Richard Sherman, like and those guys just, you know, they're all over 30, which (laughs) brings you back to the same problem with Casey Hayward. Right. um, and, And declining athleticism. So I don't know. I mean, definitely like Troy Hill. Um, is another possible option that they can get as a, a, you know, sort of a vet corner to come, right? Sort of those guys that are in lesser demand that they could get maybe on a one-year, two-year kind of deal while also drafting a quarterback in those first three rounds. Um, I know Jason Reed mentioned over a bolt beat. But, um, yeah, no, it, I definitely think, you know, they just have to take one of the first three rounds, <laughs> like yeah. especially with Casey Hayward gone, building to the future, uh, it, it just has to happen. You know, they certainly have to take him in the first couple of rounds. I, st- I still can't imagine it's 13, but the way that free agency has played out so far, there aren't legit starting corners or above average corners that are just hitting the market. Yeah. It's a bunch of linemen. Yeah. And at this point, you know, I think you consider, you know, 10 maybe offensive linemen go before the Chargers' second pick. And I just, you can't wait that long. Like the, the Chiefs and the Raiders cutting everybody, you know, the Packers could replace a center you know, the saints and Colts are in the back and they, they're always looking for offensive linemen. Yeah. You know, so I, at this point you, you got to take your guy and I, I really think it's going to be the best corner in the second round at this point. So that's it. Yeah, I do too. And a lot of people mentioned Greg Newsom yesterday, and I think that would be a fantastic pick as well. But uh, you know, it, it, it seems like the general consensus is that he's the fourth best corner. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it seems like he's trending towards being like a late first, early second round pick. Um, so I think ultimately the Chargers, in terms of drafting a corner, you know, if they do take one in the first round, obviously that kind of eliminates that need. But if you're waiting until the second round, you're probably looking at Asante Samuel Jr., Eric Stokes, Tyson Campbell. I know I'm not super high on him and neither is Tyler, but athletically he fits what Brandon Staley seems mm-hmm. to be wanting. Um, then you could talk about maybe like a Kelvin Joseph from Kentucky. So I just think. You know, the Chargers will have options. And I think, you know, the value of taking a cornerback in the second round just to me makes a little more sense because, like Tyler said, you know, we could see 10 to 12 to 13 offensive linemen go before the Chargers pick at 47. Uh, You know, and then, you know, say you're looking at, you know, James Hudson or Quinn Miners or something like that as, as like your one offensive lineman starter that you draft. It's just, it's not really something, it's not an approach that I think the Chargers should be entertaining. It's important to remember, I think, that they do um, with the compensatory third round pick that if they yeah. want to, uh, they can trade back into that um, right. second round a little bit. Right. So if you take a, your first round pick, that's a corner. Maybe you could trade up to like 39, 40 for an offensive lineman or something like that, kind of like they did um, and move up seven or eight spots like they did with uh, Kenneth Murray last year. So there's always the possibility of that. But yeah, Um you know, I said first three rounds for Tom Telesco margin of error, uh, but I think it definitely has to be the first uh, two or three. Yeah, I just don't know if I can wait till they get to 39 or 40 to move up because I don't want to be sitting there and have to take Alex Leatherwood when Asante Samuel is still on the board just because I took a corner right. in the first round. Mm-hmm. Sorry, brother. I had to mute because my, my dog's barking right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's going to be really fun to see how that pans out. And obviously a lot of that is going to depend on free agency. So Sure. Uh, we wanted to talk about some free agency predictions uh, that we're going to dish out right now. Um, and so I think to me, like the place to start 
and I was talking with Alex and, and Tyler about this uh, last night is Hunter Henry. Um, I've become very conflicted in, in Hunter Henry <laughs> returning, and, and you know I've been doing some some research into what the Chargers could potentially be looking at at the tight end position. Um, and it just seems like you look at where all of these coaches have come from. They've always had more of like an athlete instead of like a refined route runner at tight end. And Hunter Henry is a good athlete, but he's not like a yards after catch specialist, which is what we've seen from where these coaches have come from. Obviously you have George Kittle with Shane day, Darren Waller, Jared cook. Uh, Jared cook has two connections, obviously with Joe Lombardi and Frank Smith in in Oakland and New Orleans, you have Jimmy Graham going all the way back to Joe Lombardi's first stint with New Orleans. Um, And that's just, you know, you look at these kind of athletes that they've had, and that's just not really Hunter Henry's game. And so, you know, just looking at some advanced statistics, you know, Hunter Henry was seventh in the league last year in catches, but he was 13th in yards after the catch. And so, you know, Rob Gronkowski had more (laughs) yards after catch than Hunter Henry did. And then you have guys like Hayden Hurst and Gerald Everett and, and, and Tyler Higbee, who had catches in the forties, you know, uh, Gerald Everett had 41 catches and he had almost a hundred more yards after the catch than Hunter Henry did. And so I'm just a little more conflicted now about Hunter Henry returning. So my first prediction uh, is going to be that Hunter Henry signs elsewhere. Uh, I think his market and, you know, obviously no one knows like with 100% certainty what the charges are going to be, be running, but just kind of looking at past history and where his market is headed, uh, I do think Hunter Henry is going to sign elsewhere. Yeah, uh, I ultimately think that place is going to be the Patriots. Uh, <laughs> they just traded Marcus Cannon. <laughs> no, no, I'm just vomiting. Um, <laughs> they just traded Marcus Cannon. And ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to inform you that the Patriots currently have the most cap space in the league. Um, so, yeah, that's something to watch uh, as they go after some free agents. Uh and um, I don't know, you know, the Cam Newton thing, you know, a lot of people made fun of that as like, uh, you know, Cam was bad last year, but Cam Newton's a respected guy around the league and it doesn't preclude them from making any other quarterback moves. Right. So yeah. Hunter Henry can at least, you know, the Patriots, the most important thing is that they enter free agency with like another uh, just a quarterback option to advertise to people. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, whether that's Cam Newton or someone else. So. I kind of have a feeling he's going to go there because of the Belichick thing. And they're just like dying for another pass catcher. Dying. I could also see. They are. It's really bad there. Uh, you know, people complain about Mike Williams here. Like Mike Williams would be the greatest receiver of all time. in New England. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, You know, it, you know, they're trying to trade and kill Harry who they just drafted like two years ago. Um, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think, the, you know, Another team that I think could go after Miss Jacksonville um, right. just because they have Trevor Lawrence or trying to get a, maybe a weapon for him. I just feel like there's going to be a team that's going to uh, be willing to uh, get higher than Tom Telesco in terms of the negotiations, right? We obviously saw he wasn't franchise tagged. Um, I think that he'll want to come back and, you know, people keep pointing out the, like, you know, what he said about quarterbacks comment. And, you know, he he said again yesterday, he loves Justin Herbert. Right. Um, But, you know, if some team is offering him four years, 55, instead of four years, 45, you know, Justin Herbert ain't going to be the difference there. Um, You know, that money is going to talk. So I sort of think he's going to go. And then the Chargers, look for um, a Zach Ertz, Kyle Rudolph, Jared Cook kind of guy um, to to replace him. 
I think they're going to do a combination of things. I think I still think Henry is going to return. I think the Chargers have made enough moves where they can afford it. Now they're not going to be stupid. And you know, Tom Telesco with say Melvin Gordon isn't stupid. You know, he's he's not going to completely overpay, though he almost gave him a, a four-year, 40 million or something like that. <laughs> Another time. I do think they're still, like you said, look, they are going to look for someone who's a little bit more yards after catch, athletic kind of guy. They're just going to do that, maybe this draft or the next draft. In a later round, um, you know, most of the guys that you referenced that you know these these coaches have worked with are typically your your third round or later kind of guys, yeah. and they don't also break out in their first year. You know, Jared Cook, I think he took three years. Kittle took two. Waller took four. You know, Jimmy Graham in his second year. None of these guys are just out of the gate breaking out. So I think you can play it both ways, where you you sign Henry, and I'm curious what Henry wants because I do think. He could take a slightly shorter, maybe three-year deal because he knows that he can't get a whole lot of money right now because he hasn't really been that consistent or that productive. So maybe he wants that sec- that third contract before he hits 30. So I think it's possible you take him on maybe three, maybe it's four years, and you have that rip somewhere in year three, maybe even year two if it's a three-year deal, and you still develop a tight end that's more athletic in the interim and take him in that third round because a lot of these guys aren't breaking out immediately. So take Henry now. Take your developmental guy. Maybe it's Tremble who they met with. I don't know. And then, you know, down the road, you know, if you start to see that other guy elevate, you can eventually get rid of, you know, your, your veteran, um, especially if he's not being productive or he's hurt kind of in the same vein. Not really, but like, you know, we have Michael Davis now, so we can get rid of Casey Hayward. So I think, I think they can do both sign Henry, but also prepare for the future because they do seem to want a particular kind of guy. Yeah, and you know Tommy Tremble would be a fantastic draft pick. I know we all kind of have made jokes about the Notre Dame thing, but you know Tommy Tremble, like the dude is a filthy, filthy blocker. Like he just gets after it in a yeah. way that you know the Chargers have really missed without Virgil Green. And the games that Virgil Green has missed, you know the the blocking and just the overall run game has really kind of suffered. So Tommy Tremble would be a fantastic pick. I also like Kenny Yaboa, uh, a little bit more of an athlete, but he can block as well. Uh, showed us some really nice blocking at the senior bowl. So, uh, Alex, what is your uh, first free agency prediction for the Chargers? Uh, my first one's going to be that they sign uh, Corey Lindsley. Uh, that it just makes too much sense, right? And we saw Tom Telesco dip into that Green Bay uh, offensive line last year with Balaga. This one just makes too much more sense uh, than last year's did. You could get him for about the same price that you got Balaga, frankly. And it's an immediate boost to the offensive line, uh, like we've been talking about. Uh, there's been a lot of reporters that have kind of linked, uh, you know, uh, Lindsley to the Chargers. Uh, I think that's going to be the first domino that falls, if I had to guess. Um, and, you know, they, they sort of did that last year with getting the offensive line first, right? After, you know, Brady basically announced he was going to Tampa. The yep. first hour was them signing Brian Balaga. Oh, um, so I, I think they're going to really aggressively go after the offensive line of free agency. I'm sure maybe a Gabe Jackson or something else is possible uh, along with, uh, you know, Corey Lindsley. But I think the first, uh, I don't know if it's going to be the first move of free agency, but I think their first priority on the offensive line is actually going to be signing him. Then I will take the next easiest one, and that is Johnson signing, which is already a very yeah. obvious one prior to any of this. But now you have Rayshon Jenkins. Granted, it's vague. Same with Mike Williams' tweet. You know, <laughs> I can't wait to see where we go next or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just can't imagine that Staley comes over and Johnson doesn't. And with everything, the way everything's falling right now, it, it just seems like 
it's a done deal at this point. We're just waiting for the numbers. Yeah, especially with, you know, the NFL Network reporting today that the Rams are trying to sign Leonard Floyd back. And mm. so they don't have the money to get both. And, and you know, it's right. going to be one or the other. Uh, and we've heard almost nothing about them trying to re-sign John Johnson. It's been all about Leonard Floyd and Darius Williams. And so they kind of did this to themselves. I mean, they drafted a bunch of safeties over the last couple of years. Uh, my guy Terrell Burgess, they have Jordan Fuller and others to kind of fill that void. Um, and obviously they could be switching schemes a little bit. So listen, man, John Johnson makes and Corey Lindsley, they both check a lot of boxes. Um, you know, I, I was looking up, you know, Corey Lindsley a little bit, and he was also the Walter Payton man of the year nominee for the Packers last year. So perfect. We know how much Tom Telesco loves those kind of things. I'm pretty sure that's basically the only reason why Thomas Davis signed with the team, uh, just for that leadership <laughs> ability. Um, so we'll see. I do think Lindsley makes a ton of sense. Obviously, you've got the tight ends coach, Kevin Coger, coming over. You got Brian Balaga. And like I said before, we don't know with 100% certainty what kind of scheme it's going to be, but it's going to be heavy, heavily influenced by the Kyle Shanahan's uh, scheme. And that's something that uh, Lindsley has had his two best seasons over the last couple of seasons for the Packers in that same kind of system. So it checks a lot of boxes and so does John Johnson. And, you know, I, I cannot stop thinking about the possibilities of the chargers going into the dime package and you have John Johnson on one side, Kenneth Murray in the middle and Derwin James on the other side, like those possibilities, that kind of athleticism and versatility. Oh man. It's just, it's going to be so much fun to watch. And Staley has stressed, and so has Ronaldo Hill. We are going to put pressure on different points of the offense. And just how, like you said, James, Murray, Johnson, you can put pressure on that defense at any point you feel yeah. like. Oh, and by the way, good luck with Joey Bosa. So it's just <laughs> going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and I, my two other predictions that I will get off here, I think they're going to go after a premium uh, pass rusher. Uh, whether that's Leonard Floyd, who's you know still up in the air. Something that a lot of people aren't talking about is that the Broncos still haven't made that decision uh, on Von Miller. You yeah. know, so that's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, he was you know legally uh, cleared, so you know that's still up in the air. I think they're going to go after a guy like that, or you know, <laughs> NFL Rooms is back at it again with Shaq uh... Barrett. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, for the sake. Yeah, another guy that is uh, possible. Bud Dupree is another guy that's possible, but um, yeah, well, I think they're going to go after a premium outside uh, pass rusher. And then my last prediction will be that uh, Tyrod Taylor is replaced. I think he's ultimately going to go somewhere else, uh, probably be it Philadelphia or another place where they're going to have some kind of quarterback competition. Uh, and I think they're going to get a, a veteran backup. I don't know if it's going to be as expensive as uh, Jacoby Brissett, but I do think they'll go after uh, a backup of that um, caliber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that one makes too much sense, man. They, they've got to get some kind of veteran presence for for Justin Herbert. And, you know, we just don't know enough about Easton Stick to say, like, he's 100% the, the backup in this kind of instance. So right. um, the other one that I think is almost a guarantee, you know, you talk about connections. Um I think the Chargers are going to bring over a former Raiders offensive lineman to reunite with Frank Smith. And they have three options. John Feliciano, who was there with in Frank Smith's first year. Oh. Denzel Good from the last couple seasons. And, of course, Gabe Jackson. So I think my preference would be John Feliciano just because we've seen him kind of be that enforcer type of Swiss Army knife that the Chargers have missed severely without Mike Pouncey. And Feliciano can play all three positions on the offensive 
on the interior of the offensive line. Uh, did a fantastic job for them at center in the in the past few seasons when Mitch Morse has been out. Uh, so I think that would be my preference. Denzel Good, uh, a little less proven. You know, he's been on the practice squad, been a backup for the most of his career. He's been in the league since 2014 or 15, I think. Um, so last season was really his only first it was his only season of being a starter and it was really good and he was able to kind of show off some versatility at play guard and tackle uh, but there's just a little too much uncertainty there in my opinion uh, so my preference would be Feliciano and Gabe Jackson would be a fantastic signing he would be he would have been the best charged offensive lineman over the last few years um, but I'm a little worried about his age and, and just kind of he had some injuries in 2018 and 19 that uh, some Raiders writers have mentioned it as maybe hindering him from getting back to his his elite form from uh, 15, 16, and 17. So uh, I think one of those three will come over, and and my preference would be uh, John Feliciano. Let me ask like you guys, what, what what's a move that you um, think might happen, but you don't want to? Mm. Oh, give me a second. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, I... I guess I'll start. Uh, I think that, you know, something that I, I don't think this will necessarily happen, but I could see Telesco going after it um, is maybe a receiver or running back in free agency. Um, I wouldn't necessarily want him to do it, but I, I remember weirdly like two months ago, there was like some Aaron Jones report um, that just kind of came out of nowhere. I don't think any of that stuff will happen, but I could see Telesco going after, you know, a skill yeah. position player that just sounds weird and that we're not we haven't predicted for the last two months but then you know comes into the picture right like um i, I mean last year we had like chris harris and no one had any idea that was happening until yeah. like the day yeah. it happened um so i just feel like there's going to be one of those kinds of free agents i mean under the guise that he's a starter I wouldn't want them to take Jared Cook. I understand the connection is there. That could yeah, happen. That's a good I don't one. really want it to happen. And you technically don't know if he's going to be the starter until after the draft. And if that's the case and he is the starter, then I don't want it to happen. Um, I've had daily like future nightmares, flashbacks <laughs> of, of waking up to see that both Feeney and Lamp have returned. Oh, yeah. That they're just going to <laughs> roll with it. I mean, I guess it, back. Possible. I mean, it is possible. And then they take yeah. offensive linemen anyway. And then just that you, you don't really sign those guys and cut those guys. Like it doesn't work like that. So that's a bit of my nightmare, but it, it can happen. So that's a good one. You know, the, the two of them coming back and the running back, I think that's an interesting one. Um, I do think if they wanted to sign a running back, like they could do that, you know, with like a lesser known player, you know, like a Marlon Mack or, or a Jamal right. Williams instead of Aaron Jones. But you know, spending top tier money on a, on an Aaron yeah. Jones or a James Conner kind of player, oh man, that would no. be that would be so stupid. Because then you have you know what like eighteen twenty million dollars invested in each year for your running backs, and that's just <laughs> that would be terrible. Any kind of big free agent receiver, I'm out on. You know, I've seen some people be yeah. like, "Well, what if you could take Mike Williams and just sign Kenny Galladay?" It's like, well, yeah, Kenny Galladay <laughs> is probably a better player, but you know, then you're taking the same kind of problem, right? Because the whole thing with Mike Williams is that. He has it produced to his value of where he was drafted. Well, if you're paying Kenny Dolliday or, you know, I think Chris Godwin was, was franchised, right? So he's off the market. Right. But, you know, if you're paying Kenny Galladay or Juju Smith-Schuster $18 million a year and they're not producing, then you have the same kind of problem, except Mike Williams is on a rookie contract. And so it's like, I'm I'm out. If you want a free, if you want a receiver addition, it's got to be through the draft, in my opinion. Um, I've said this before. I, I do not want any part of Alejandro Villanueva. 
like none. So I would understand the move, like, you know, getting, you know, there is the coaching connection with, with Sean Serrett or, or Surratt or however you say it. Um, but I just think, you know, he's only had six years in the league and I get that, but I've just never been like super impressed with him. I've never felt like he's a top tier tackle, but after Trent Williams, he is the best free agent left tackle, which means he is going to be expensive. And I, I'm just not interested in paying Alejandro Villanueva the kind of money that it will require to get there. Uh, and also, I think there is a world in which Tom Telesco takes a big swing at Joe Thune instead of Corey Lindsley. I think it's possible. I think that he understands the kind of urgency there is around this situation. But I do not want it. I think Joe Thune is a very fine player. You know, you look at the difference between him and what the Chargers have had at guard. The difference is just staggering, right? <laughs> and, you know, in the last two seasons, the left guard for the Chargers has has allowed like a combined 65 pressures or something like that. It's just outrageous. And Joe Thune over the last two seasons has allowed like 30. So I would understand it. But I think if you're going to sign a top tier free agent offensive lineman, it should be Corey Lindsley. Um, other than that, I think you go a tier down. You go with a Kevin Zeitler, who's not going to cost as much and is arguably just as good. Or even if you want to have that same kind of conversation, Austin Ryder, who's not going to be back with the Chiefs, is a tier down from Corey Lindsley, but I think he is very close in terms of ability. And so uh, I don't want any top tier, huge swings on the offensive line. I don't want Alejandro Villanueva, and I don't want Joe Thune. Uh Speaking of receivers, I just want to mention one. Do not sign Nelson Aguilar. Uh, you're going to pay him like one year, 10 million. He's going to cash in on that tremendous season he had, and he's going to wind up back on one of my teams, and he's going to revert to 2019 form. I just know it in my heart. Okay, but wait. The Raiders sign Casey Hayward, then you sign Aguilar, and he roasts Casey Hayward, and you win two games. There. Yeah. I mean, that's a, it could go that way. Oh, man. I... I... That's the other thing. I don't. I do not want Casey Hayward and Melvin Ingram on the Raiders. I know one of them is probably gonna Ooh. gonna end up there. Uh, I just don't want to see that. No. Yeah, it'd be kind of gross. That would be really gross. All right, guys. Any other predictions that we want to get out before uh, before we wrap up today's show? Um, I predict that Mike Williams will not unfollow the Chargers on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I predict I, that that'll still be a big problem for fans in the, in the next week, though. <laughs> I feel like this was a problem last year, too. I feel like a lot of people were talking about this last year, too. And it's like, you guys, he's never followed them for whatever reason. You know, he just hasn't done it. Maybe he doesn't want to see the constant spam on Sundays. I don't know. Like, it kind of bugs me, too, sometimes when I have to log on to Instagram on Sundays and and click through 37 stories from the Chargers. So I, I get it. But it's just not a big deal. Like, it's not something like, you know... Deshaun Watson took the Texans completely out of his bio kind of thing. Like you still know that Mike Williams is on the chargers and that he likes the chargers. And Alex kind of pointed this out, you know, his tweet, it could be an extension. It could just be kind of him, you know, his way of saying like, listen, like I'm committed to the chargers and, you know, not following them on Instagram is not a big deal. Yeah. You know, certain chargers accounts uh, will rename nameless. Uh, I I did it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so (laughs) you know like this is something i guess i I just want to stress in general just like be careful on twitter tomorrow you know (laughs) if you you see a report and you have no idea if it's true just check if it's true because it's it takes two seconds yes you know get a lot better discourse 
uh, just throughout the day. Um, so that goes for Reddit Hill Rooms and all these, you know, accounts that are going to be posting, you know, bullshit. Just, just check them because free agency really starts tomorrow. I mean, I know this day, but you know, you had 82 out of the top 85 free agents signed before Wednesday so, last year. So it's, um, it's going to be a, a fun ride, but Where did you uh, pull that stat from uh, Twitter. I just saw a tweet about it. Um, but, Is it real? <laughs> there we go. I think so. Yeah, no, yeah, it's real. Um, but yeah, so it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But uh, yeah, just be careful and and manage manage your heart rate at, at certain times. Because I remember last year, uh, I got really angsty about the the whole Tom Brady thing, and I'm you're thankful every day that he chose <laughs> ultimately. Oh man, the Ooh, Tom Brady stressful. extension, and now Tom Brady's on yeah, the I, years, and he's going to be there for the next five years or whatever. Just crazy. <laughs> I, I remember being at work, just like checking my phone, you know, Colin Cowherd says he's going to Tampa Bay, but no one knows whether to believe Colin Cowherd or not. <laughs> and yeah, there were tons of moments like that. Yeah, that's a good call, though. Definitely be careful. Uh, there are going to be some trolls who change their name and their picture to Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter and things like that. <laughs> oh, geez. And put out a bunch of bullshit. If you see it, make sure you check for that verified check mark. Like, otherwise, you know, probably don't put too much stock in it. And um, we'll have to see. I think it's going to be a crazy few hours because we, we've never seen a free agency like this. There are so many good players on the market this year because of the cap going down and because uh, of other situations and things like that. So it's going to be so interesting to see where all these players end up and obviously who the chargers target. And, you know, the, the, if I think they're fourth in the league in most cap space now, so they have yeah. the chance to capitalize. Like we've never really seen Telesco take like one year deals on, on veterans. Maybe he changes things. Maybe he, he does take a, a chance on a one year deal for, for a pass rusher like Bud Dupree or kind of thing like that. So uh, going to be crazy to see what happens this week. And we will be live yeah. on Wednesday. <laughs> live on Wednesday, or maybe we'll have to go live tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have no idea how it's all going to play out. But, uh, yeah, no, this is what we've all been waiting for. Uh, we've slogged through two months of Gerald Everett episodes um, <laughs> just, just, just to get to this point. So uh, I'm excited to see how it all plays out. Yeah, man, it's going to be a fun one. So stay tuned. Make sure you have our YouTube notifications on and Twitter notifications on. And so we'll be able to uh, do our best to keep you guys posted. And like Alex said, you know, make sure and subscribe to our channel. Uh, we are very close to 2000 subscribers, which is just, you know, fantastic for us. So uh, if you are not subscribed, please go and do that. That would be very helpful for us. All right, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. We're going to get this up right away. So you guys are able to listen to it before all the free agency madness tomorrow morning. Um, and stay tuned and thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.